Welcome to the Woke Blokes Podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to the Woke Blokes Podcast. Ryan Hassan and Nick Sutherland here with you again. Today's topic is all about accountability, a very, very important topic. Uh, we're gonna... I think it's a great, great flow on from speaking with Ralph in the last podcast. It's yep. um, talk about bloody accountability. That man's got it in spades. Yep. He's got it in spades. He's got it in spades. Have we done that one? Have we done that saying no, before? No, we haven't. He's got it in spades. Yeah. Where does that come from? Where does that saying come from? I don't know. We're, 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 we've sort of lapsed with this, listeners, and we're sorry. We're, we've had... We've had protests out the front of uh, Woke Bloke HQ. We've had riots and pitchforks and burning effigies. We're sorry. We're going to bring it back. AKA a couple of text messages. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Uh, all right, we had a few text messages saying, can you bring back the, the idiosms or whatever they're called? The, so, little, the funny little sayings that don't, particularly make sense and we don't well, know we, what we they mean either we want to know where they were born and we don't want to know we just want to pretend what happened when they were born so kick the bucket where did that f- no, no we've done that what was this one the spades, spades. you got it in, got spades. It in spades so so that's an, an abundance of something you've got it in spades it, uh, it, so go back go back to the first time it was used where was it who was using it yeah was it a man was it a woman the first thing that comes up when you say spades to me is like and this is this isn't correct because this doesn't make sense um, like cards you know you're playing cards and, oh. and, and, and spades is a suit but if, if spades was the strongest suit then that would make sense but it's not I think, I think is hearts the strongest suit I think it goes like hearts. I think it depends what game you're playing, doesn't it? True. Yeah, I'm not a big I'm not a big card playing man, but I don't I don't think spades is the strongest suit. But then then I imagine a man with a spade, and so he's he's possibly got a whole bunch of manure. So we're talking like out on you know in the farm days when people first first realised that actual poo was good for growing plants. Yeah. Right, and this guy. So is this is this in? I think this is in Estonia in the 1800s. Estonia. Yeah. All right. So Estonia, 1800s. The guy who has the manure, his names. Uh, what kind of Estonian names would have there been? Um. So Rasmus. Rasmus. Yeah. So so Rasmus had a whole bunch of cattle. And he uh, had no idea what to do with all the poo. And then one, another person in Estonia named uh, Cornelius um, was a very, very smart man. He was actually a scientist of his time. And, and he had realised that manure was the uh, best for growing crop. And so Wonderful fertiliser, natural fertiliser. Natural fertiliser. And so he gave a, a talk in the town square. You know, the town squire was ringing his bell and so everyone stopped what hear they were ye, doing. Hear ye, hear ye. Hear ye, Come and listen to Cornelius give a very yeah. important talk the in the town Cornelius square. Cornelius the wise, he was known as. He was the, the druid. He was the, Corn- the wizard. Cornelius the wise. The wise. And so he gave a talk about why... Uh, poo, which we were just like, people would just throw it away or didn't want too much to do with it because it just seemed like uh, a waste product was actually very healthy for growing crop. And then so everyone's like, well, I, w- I want my crops to grow because that was all part of the, the, the main industry. And then they said, well, uh, was it uh, Rasmus? And then someone Rasmus. said, well, guys, Rasmus has it in spades over at his joint because he has so much cattle. No, they walked past Rasmus's house and they saw him shoveling manure and they went, the manure is is in or on his spade. I think it was, he has it on spades first and then it's changed over time. So, you Rasmus... Reckon? Yeah, yeah, they're, they're all walking... I imagine he had a pile as big as his house. Yeah, 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 but they're, they're, they've all left Cornelius's very woke, bloody town square meeting... 
and they're all walking off dazed and confused going god is this real is, is manure really the way forward is, is this true it's, it's like bending their brains it's hurting and cornelius no Ras, rasmus didn't hear about it he's on the outskirts of town and someone's walked past and he's just shoveling manure into you know a wheelbarrow to take off and to throw away somewhere and they're like rasmus no you have it in spades. You have you have it in your spade. You have it on your spade. They like weren't you at Cornelius's talk? And he goes, "What the hell are you like, talking no. about? I'm too busy out here with my cattle and everything." And exactly. little did he know, he was sitting on a pot of gold, um, which was a pot of poo. Yeah, and so the the like, no, put it on your crop and your garden. Don't put it in the river and send it downstream you've got it in spades and that's what all these people now must feel I reckon there's a collective unconscious energy of Rasmus when you know when you're driving through like a country town and like you'll see out the front of someone's driveway uh, horse poo $2 a bag you know you know so that's all because of Rasmus you know that that there's now there's now a whole industry of of $5 a bag horse poo that wouldn't have existed if Cornelius didn't give his talk, but also if Rasmus didn't have the the quantity and quality of manure that he had. He he doesn't even know the ripple effect that he's had on society and on the world. Like rose gardens are all the better for for having Rasmus. Isn't that amazing? Shop. The beautiful rose grows out of dirty shit. And it's that's once again go back to most of our podcasts it's like our experience is we have become better for it we have grown out of that adversity we've grown out of that manure that felt like manure at the time but it's actually it's it was we were sitting in a pot of gold there was so much value in that experience and that leads us to being accountable today yes accountability i'm looking forward to talking about accountability it's sorry this is a big topic for you nick you know i work in your one of your big parts of your education is 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 making people accountable to their own their no, not not just their actions because it was funny I I the, the the extent of my research that I do for our podcasts was just before I jumped on I just looked up at the dictionary definition of accountability that was it and um it was just said being accountable to one's actions and that's all that it said just accountable to one's actions well let's go beyond that and let's go to being accountable for one's well-being, one's uh, capacity to think and feel and behave. So mm. actions are the byproduct or the end result. There's a few steps before that. You know, our feelings really influence our actions, um, but our thoughts are what drive our feelings, and our beliefs are really what drive our thoughts. Mm. So it's being accountable for. And I talk about it all the time. I was saying to you earlier, we're going to do a video series on how to completely fuck up your mental health by two blokes that have been there and done it. And the first step to screwing up your mental health is to realise that you don't even have it. Hmm. So awareness is the key to all this. It's that before I can be accountable for my mental health and well-being, before I can attend to my garden, as we keep referring back to, I have to realise I've got a garden. And I've got to realise that it's full of weeds and those weeds are sometimes poisonous and noxious, so I've got to get rid of those weeds, a.k.a. old beliefs. Yep. And um, so, yeah, that the accountability really stems from having the awareness. Yeah, yeah, it's like living in a house and you're like, oh, I've got my house and my front yard and then you don't realise the whole time you had a backyard as well. And then years later, you're like, well, where does this door go? And you open up the back door and it's just fucking overgrown with all sorts of shit in and there. And you go away on a holiday and you come back and there's vines that have crawled through your, the, your kitchen window and it's starting to take over the house. Yeah, and the accountability part of this is, which is actually really important, because it's like, if I, if I go away somewhere, I can pay a gardener to look after my garden so then when i come home i'm like oh my garden's looking fantastic it's not like that with our mental health it's like yes we can get help along the way by going and speaking to someone be it a therapist practitioner or whatever but at the end of the day we're the ones who have to be accountable for that garden we can't we, we can't outsource that 
No, but your garden goes with you wherever you go. And I just finished with a client this morning. She's just finished a six-week program and she's a nurse. And I said, what, what's it like sitting for you here today compared to when you first came in? Because she first came in wanting help to deal with what was going on at work. And I said, all right, let's not make it about work and, and the people at work. Let's make it about you and how you're reacting or res- responding to all of that energy uh, and those dynamics. And she said something really profound, I think. She said, well, when I first walked in here, I was thinking about quitting nursing and becoming a florist. And I was like, right, okay. And what have you learned now? She said, well, yeah, it wasn't the environment. It was it was me. It was you know, what I was doing in that environment. And there's that expression, the grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is greenest where you water it. So she was trying to change the external environment to stop being affected by it. But in six weeks, she's actually learnt some accountability and learnt how to self-manage and self-regulate and let go of her attachments and to stop being so disturbed by her cognitive distortions. So... Nothing's changed. She's still at work and she's much happier. You know, mm. she was she was tired, but the same boss, the same people, the same kind of patients, the same systems, everything's the same. But her beliefs have changed, so her thoughts have changed, her feelings have changed, and her behaviour has therefore changed. So, and she didn't realise that being a florist is also a stressful job too. Oh she yeah. Just, she just saw the bouquet of flowers at the end and was like, oh. Oh, being a florist would be wonderful. But I said to her, I actually had a chat with the florist a couple of weeks ago and she was super stressed because you've got to get them at the right time and from the right place and there's so much that goes into obtaining that that little bouquet of flowers. Oh, there is and everyone wants them perfect and all that, you know, they want exactly what they want and, you know, these things grow at different times of the year under different circumstances. Totally. But it's the same with like Arnold Schwarzenegger. People look at him and go, yeah, I want that. But they don't see the blood, the sweat, the tears, the energy, the money, the early mornings, the everything that went into creating that. Same with someone who's mentally strong. They, don't, they haven't seen the 13 years of mental reps that I've been doing mm. to be able to walk out to my car and see my spotlights have been stolen off the front just to observe it and go, huh, that's interesting, and to not let it ruin my day. Mm. You know, it's, they, don't, they see the end result, but they don't see the journey. And, e- so, and even all the, even before that, even all like the breakdowns, like the... You know, me sitting in my room just crying for half an hour going, I don't know if I can go on and all that kind of stuff. And All the suffering, the the being stuck in that headspace and not being able to see straight or think clearly. And and I said to this this, um, client today, I said, I'm I'm genuinely pleased for you and proud of you because you haven't come in wanting a quick fixer or magic pill. I said... That version of you that walked in, we could have helped you to feel better about work, but then you would have been back in six weeks because something else would have happened and you would have had the same pattern, which would have created the same reaction. So she's actually taken the hard path and she's done the work and she's learned to get in a position where she can now be responsible and accountable to her own mental health and well-being. She's not outsourcing it anymore. She's not letting everything dictate how she feels. Yeah, yeah. It's so important. It's just more of a really taking a long-term solution because that's what we want. We want people to be able to self-manage and get mentally stronger moving forward, you know, in, in the as, and getting better as we go along and not having this seesaw of where it goes back and forward you know either oh, so it's sustainability yeah it's sustainability yeah which is a lot of the people i work with on drugs you know the, the first session or talk it's like all right so what do i do do i stop now and then we go and i'm like you know i don't give a fuck about you stopping at the minute <laughs> uh, what, what, yeah. what, what we need to do is start to address the reasons why and a lot of the underlying trauma and then also how do we actually deal with a lot of these emotions that are coming up because we're using drugs to suppress those emotions and because every 
everyone that doesn't understand addiction like you know the family friends are just like just stop 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 and once someone <laughs> once someone actually stops they're like oh it's done <laughs> but every every person that understands it knows it's not about stopping it's about staying stopped it's this long-term solution because that's why people i hate hearing that people are like addictions a condition of relapse so you're gonna just relapse you know over oh. and over and all that kind of thing which once again is just a a societal belief system but um i had this client um that i was a little bit chatting to last night and you know it's been you know maybe six or eight weeks but it's been understanding and getting back in touch with the emotional body getting in touch with the sensations in the body and not running away from them and all that kind of stuff whereas now uh two weeks ago she stopped and so now it's been two weeks cleaned off everything and there was a lot <laughs> um, of everything. And now it's in a place where it's like there, there are still some, even though they've done a lot of work, there are still some energies coming up because she had been suppressing with drugs and alcohol for 20, 25 years. Mm. But now there's these tools and resources to be able to now understand and not um, run away from those feelings, to be in relationship with those feelings. So it's, it's what, this what long-term about... solution. So... And, and I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on this. You know how the sunlight we can feel is years old. That left the sun thousands of years ago, and we're only just feeling it now. So it's it's in transition. Yeah? Well, it's 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 not years, but it's eight and a half minutes. Okay. Well, what's oh the light that we're saying a star that we can see. A, know, a, our we, star, like yeah, you're right. So so our star is which is a lot it's it's about eight and a half minutes it takes for the light to get here so where where we where we see our sun is actually where it was eight and a half minutes ago but yeah there's yes. other there's stars that are like you know that are non-existent but the we can we're still receiving the light from them yeah they've they've yeah. they supernovaed yeah five hundred thousand years so, ago yeah so if you help someone and they've supernovaed their trauma there's still going to be this um ripple effect this after effect where they may feel like taking drugs but there's no longer a need for it because mm. it's just uh, it's just that lingering um neurological pathway that's been so deeply ingrained isn't it so being observant and aware of that and understanding oh there's there's an old, outdated desire for me to take drugs, but there's actually no driving force behind this anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And that's that's where this the tools of awareness and everything come into play because then you can just watch those things as opposed yeah. to being them because there still is these, like, uh, just mental associations and habit formations, you know, like someone, yeah. someone can uh, have started drinking because of some sort of you know trauma and that kind of thing and then you can address that but then they've been doing it for so long then they've just created certain associations so if it's like as soon as it hits 5pm that's an association for a, a, a glass of wine or as soon as yeah. I'm in a social situation it's just it's just mental associations that just need to be broken well, I had a client come in and he was diagnosed with prostate cancer six weeks ago and he's got this underlying fear of hospitals because his brother died in hospital and he's is is very emotional it's just understandable to a degree about this diagnosis um because uh, his father died of prostate cancer so there's there's the prostate cancer diagnosis but then there's all these underlying associations that are just creating this hypersensitivity around it as well yeah, yeah, and it's 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 a self-fulfilling prophecy because our our underlying beliefs create our reality. So it's yeah. like you know, if I, you know, hear that woman died of cancer. She she got diagnosed with cancer. They said you got three months to live. Around three months later, she died. They did an autopsy. There was no cancer. Yeah, yeah. She Crazy. convinced herself yeah. to fucking die. This, this, this used to happen in, a, in ancient tribes where, like, there would be the, the witch doctors and the soothsayers mm. and all that kind of thing, and they would place a curse on someone yeah. in the tribe, and that person would die. They literally would die from being cursed. Because they believed is it so, so strongly. It was such a deep belief. Yeah. That's where 
hyp- hypnosis and you know the stage shows and all that works because we are so suggestible. That's mm. why advertising works and marketing works, and we're so easily influenced those things because we are suggestible creatures. Some are more suggestible than others, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like that's if you deeply believe it, you're going to manifest it. You're it's, going to become it. And that's one of the issues people run into because the ego thinks it's right. The ego thinks it knows everything and it's right. But then the more you delve into this stuff, you realize that, yeah, we're so susceptible to everything. It's crazy. It's like, I don't know if I've brought this up on the podcast, but they did one study. I can't remember the book it was from, but all they did was they would go up to people in a street and there was a little story, just a couple of paragraphs. It's only take you a minute or two to read it. And there was a main character and it was, you know, a fairly neutral story. But what they uh, didn't tell them was just before that, they had a random person come up and give them, it was a really cold day, either a nice warm cup of coffee and just say, can you hold that for a sec while I do up my shoes? So they're holding this nice warm cup of coffee or some really cold drink, right? So the warm drink obviously made them feel a bit nice and toasty warm for a minute because it was cold. So, and then they just asked at the end of the story, just after this, you know, what do you think of the main character? And the people who were holding the nice warm coffee had much better feelings about this main character. They were saying things like, yeah, he seems warm and considerate and blah, blah, blah. Whereas the people that were Holding the cold drink were like, no, nah, I don't like him. Something's wrong about him. He seems cold and blah blah blah, right? Or it's because it was a neutral character. It's because they're holding yeah. a fucking different temperature drink. Like that's, that's how amazing, susceptible we are, you know? It's, Have you um, seen those videos where it asks you to focus on a person doing star jumps, and then there's a few other people, and then it says, okay, go back and watch it in slow motion. And there's actually people dressed in panda suits just walking through and you can't see them. You don't yeah. see them because you don't have the awareness of them. Yeah, it's our... Yeah, but yeah, our, our mind is just... It's making assumptions all the time. And it's like... Because there's so much information to process. It can't process it all. So it has to prioritise yeah. what's more important. One, one of the great ones, a really basic one, and people can Google this, it's like a... Uh, like a checkers or chessboard kind of thing and so the squares are white and grey you know and they're, and they're checkered like I said and then you look at it and it's just a, a perfectly normal checkered board and then it says okay now look at the this this square here and you'll see there's the two white ones next to each other yeah but yeah. your mind just told you that it was all perfect just and it was grey and white yeah until yeah. you really laser focused and, and that's what we're, our mind's doing with, with everything you know, like I've seen her driving around on the scooter here, like I've seen a few snakes and stuff, um, only a couple, but now my mind's drawn to like sticks and fucking bits of rope <laughs> and all that kind of shit on the road because it's trying I, to I fill this blank. I was working with a um, an Olympic mountain bike rider and they were going through a series of events where they kept crashing and we sort of had a discussion and all of a sudden I heard him say, yeah, and I keep I keep going right there's a rock there so avoid that and there's a tree there avoid that and then I'll have a crash and I'm like yeah but you bring into your focus exactly what you don't want mm. instead of training you want to focus on there's the path through your your mind is focusing on the obstacle mm. and so you are going to be drawn towards the obstacle so no one you keep crashing and that's like, and that's Fuck. and that's why so many people uh think the world's a scary place because when we're in we've spoken about how so much of society is in survival so we're in this um uh fear mechanism these if we want to get woo woo these lower chakras um these survival instincts so what happens this reticular activating system which is what's filtering our reality it's like if if we see the world as a scary place then we're going to find threat yeah because there's just as much threat as there is beauty and love and and awe and it's like we can depending on what our filter is going to let in we're going to see either one but that filter is based off a belief that this world must be perfect so many people have this utopian belief that we want to live in utopia and that irrational belief creates an irrational thinking style, a cognitive distortion that is to disqualify all the positives. And that's so, so there's imagine there's 10 plus signs and 10 negative signs. If you believe that it should be perfect, your mind is going to be drawn to all the negative signs or symbols. And so your perception of that image is going to be, oh, no, it's really negative. Yep. But in fact, it's completely neutral. 
It is, it is. It's all neutral, and it's just we just give it that meaning. Speaking about the cancer thing, like that, you know, because when we first found the, the genome and that we have this DNA and this blueprint and we thought it was very deterministic, and then everyone was like, oh, well, you know, I've got the gene that gives me a 30% greater chance of getting breast cancer and that thing. And I can't remember which celebrity it was, but I remember they, they just found out they had the gene, weren't diagnosed with cancer or anything yet, but had their breast cut off, like as a proactive approach, right? Oh Little do we know, like there's a whole field of science called epigenetics, which epi means above, above the gene, which means that our genes aren't deterministic. Our genes make us maybe susceptible to things, but we can have a gene that, imagine if, if, if it's an off or on switch, that never gets turned on our entire life based on the environment that gene is in. And that's both our external environment, but also our internal environment, which is why so many people are, who are holding on to resentment uh, seem to get cancer. So here's one for you. My biological father died of motor neuron disease mm -hmm. now somebody said i can't remember who it was that oh there's a 30 percent chance that he'll pass it on to his children and if if i just blindly allowed their belief to enter my belief system that would have increased my chances of developing motor neuron disease mm -hmm. but i didn't allow their belief in because i didn't know what research their belief was based off if it's fact if it's just hypothesis or just them making the fucking number up so uh, i don't know but I, I i don't have any part of me that's focused or anxious or worried about developing motor i'm not i'm not locked in on it because if mm. i was it'd be like the mountain bike rider hitting a rock and i'll more i would my chances are i would end up with it it's like we've spoken about with um you know renunciation or saying like you know i'll never i'll never have a drink again or never do a drug again i'm still tied yeah. to it it's still it's still taking up room it's in my consciousness and um yeah th there's a term for what you said and i can't remember if it's white coat syndrome or what it's white coat something which may, it means that when we get this information from a person of authority so we're, we're like, and doctors are seen as a person yeah. of authority. So we get this information and there's a far greater chance of that seeping into our subconscious and our belief systems. Like the lady who got the three month diagnosis that sunk right in and she went and, and created a belief, I'm gonna die in three months. And she did, even though she a, didn't have cancer. <laughs> it came from a credible source, a man in a white coat. Authority, yeah, an authority around. figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um. Yeah, no, a, a belief so, would just... So imagine if you saw, went to school when you were a kid and you saw a kid rock up and his face was like... Because his parents said to him one day, if you keep doing that face, the wind will change and your face will stay the same. <laughs> <laughs> he rocked up and his face was all twisted. <laughs> Highly susceptible, that kid. Well, he, needs, oh. he needs some belief work done. <laughs> But go back to my client that finishes six weeks. So, you know, and her desire to become a florist because she wanted to get rid of the suffering by removing the the symptom, not dealing on the root cause. And go back to Ralph in the last podcast. And I, was, I told her about Ralph and I said, here's, here's a guy who's a, a Purple Heart recipient who's had you know, both his legs blown off and, and learned to walk again. He's a gold medalist in the Paralympic Games. And his greatest achievement is creating inner peace. And I, I told him about how he, he got depressed after winning the gold medal. It was a fleeting, very shallow you know, dopamine hit. And I said, because you know we're all hell-bent on chasing happiness externally and for things to make us happy. But this, this man, through all of his experience finally realized no it's internal it's not mm. external so yeah and that's that accountability again yeah it's being it's i think to tie it back it's being accountable to our beliefs about situations and not just about about the situation itself well i, I took accountability when the person made the comment about motor neuron disease i took accountability over my belief system and chose not to be influenced or them to impose their belief upon me mm. so yeah, that's that accountability. There was, um, 
I guess accountability is important to me. A because I see so many people walking around in ignorance. And, you know, the source of all suffering is attachment and ignorance. So not in a judgmental term, just in a very factual and literal sense that people can't see or don't understand. And Christine Morgan is the CEO of the Australian Mental Health Commission. Um, and she, her people got in touch with me because uh, she was doing a trip around Australia and wanted to touch base with a mental health practitioners but also people that have been in the mental health system and so her and I had a one-on-one discussion and a really great chat and a lot of alignment and I'd love to bring her on the podcast um, but then she invited me to the, the town hall meeting where her role was just to listen to people that had been in the system and I took a couple of clients with me who had been through the program and now in maintenance just to just to bring them into the picture and so we're sitting at a table on the outskirts and um, all we could hear was this outsourcing of responsibility it was always why isn't the system doing more for us why can't you do this more why can't we get more money for this why can't why aren't you fixing us why aren't you making us better and my clients and i had a chat in the car park afterwards and i asked them had they heard that and they were like it was fucking incredible did you hear everyone how no one took ownership no one took responsibility no one was accountable for themselves they just wanted someone else Mm -hmm. to make them feel better Mm -hmm. and i just went i think that was such an important and classic snapshot of society as a whole we want other people or other things or other events or situations to make us happy so accountability for me comes down to you know the golden rule in mindfit is that you are responsible for your happiness and if you're not happy that's on you not on so, what someone else has said yeah 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 it's hard because i think you're I mean, right. but there's, there's there's people that aren't that don't have the capacity so there is mental illness and there, there is people you know who, who do need help and support i'm not i'm not being insensitive to that but just in general terms there there is we need to do more to it's like mental health it's like what why isn't my body strong why why don't i have big biceps well it's because you haven't gone to the gym and created that mm-hmm. no but someone should give me biceps mm. really go and do the work doesn't make any sense does it it's irrational it's that's it it's just irrational and that's that's what hurts my heart a lot and that's what gets me up every day and and pushing and progressing and i'm going to create a, a mental health and mindfulness center here in mornings and everything because i just i want to help people come into this understanding that there is a lot they can do on their own but they have to come and learn it that's and, right because we're not all born with it we're not all taught how to do it no we're not i had to learn the i had to learn the hard way you had to learn the hard way yeah but it's like and that that seems to be the way right now that most people do learn the hard way but then once enough people it's we we always hit this critical point where when enough people understand this stuff like hey i need to take care of my mental health because like if you walk out now and stop a hundred people in the street and say, hey, what do you want out of life? They'd be like, I just want to be happy. Like 99 out of 100 would say, I just want to be happy, <laughs> right? I uh, do this. Yeah. I, I ask every single client and then I ask, what is what is your, what is the definition of happiness? 99% of them say, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know and I'm not doing anything about it. Yeah, but there's that ignorance. There's that, I don't know what happiness is. I've got a concept of what happiness is and but the issue also is that most people want more as we were talking about in other podcasts there's always this constant need and desire and um if i if i'm earning fifty thousand dollars a year and i make a and i am right i'd like to earn a hundred thousand dollars a year that will make me happy all right and then i work and get re-educated and get a promotion and suddenly i'm earning a hundred thousand dollars a year that's going to make me happy in inverted commas for two or three or four or five months but then guess what's going to happen not not even that long (laughs) until the until the new car smell wears off yeah and and then now i want to earn two hundred thousand dollars a year 
And so the definition of happiness is to be content and to be content with who we are and what we have. And Bruce Lee said a really good quote, be content but never satisfied. It's cutting It's big... cutting out the middleman, really. It's like everyone wants to set goals and they want to say, well, I want to set this goal because if I earn this much, it'll make me content. Or if I, if I have this car, it'll make me content. And it's like, well, if we can just cut out the middleman and say, well, let's just make the goal being content, then you don't have to strive for all these things. Because like you said, it's, you, you can't, you cannot get there because it's like once you do make $200,000, you start hanging out with people who make half a million and then you feel deficient. Yeah. This whole thing's deficient, a deficiency yeah. story. That's where... It's the ego. If, it's the ego in it, driving it's, it all. It is. Like every like mental health issue at the end of the day comes down to this belief that I'm deficient in some way. Yeah. Um, and so it never ends. And it's all perspective. Like there was this guy, I don't know if I've told this story before, but... I can't remember what country it was, whether it was, you know, Dubai or whatever. I can't remember what his nationality was, but investor, he was worth like 12 to $15 billion, right? 12 to $15 billion. That's a lot of money. <laughs> We're talking about 50 grand, 100 grand. It's fucking $15 billion, right? During the financial crisis in 2008, his net worth went down to $4 billion, right? Oh, poor, poor guy. Poor guy. Guess what he did? Committed suicide. He committed suicide. Yeah. Fuck off! I was really. He, he killed himself, right? So it's 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 like it's it's all this. This is this whole chasing the rainbow thing, and it's never enough. And it's like this man says, all of a sudden now I've got this status where I'm, you know, worth twelve billion, and I'm around other people who earn twelve billion. Now I'm worth four. What a piece of shit I am! What what shame I have to the degree that I'm going to end my life when I'm worth four billion. Whereas if you speak to someone who's living on the streets, who's like, you know, trying to cash cans to get by and get a meal, and you're like, hey, what would you what would it be like with four billion dollars? They'd be like, it'd be fantastic, it'd be wonderful, right? Well, they may not. They'd be like, uh, they can see that money is the poison. Money is a cancer as well. So, yeah, but it's ne- it's the, needed, you know. It's like it's, yeah, yeah. Of course, it's needed. You can't help people if you're down in the gutter with them. Like I, I charge for my services. I, I, I bought my Land Rover Defender, and that is my forever car. So I, I'm, I can't envisage having another car because I'm so content with it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to dick around with it. And I'm putting an intercooler in it. And I'm going to you know, do this and that with it and play around with it. But I am so content with that car. Yeah. Play around with it. That that was the thing, though. It's play. Yeah. It's play. Yeah. It's, it's but because I know it's not perfect. Because there's no such thing as perfect. So it's it's going to be able to do this, but it's not going to be able to do that. All right. But I can play around with it and have some fun with it. And it's just it's just it makes me happier. But it's not the source of my happiness. No. That's and this is this is accountability. So it's like. It's it's like if you stop those people on the street and ask them, you know, what well, what do you want out of life? I want to be happy, and then it's like, well, what is happiness? Well, I don't know. Or or, or they'll start describing things. <laughs> if I get what I want, yeah. if things go my way, if people <laughs> like me, yeah, yeah. they start describing. So it's being accountable to saying, that's rubbish. Yeah, I'm I, I'm in, happiness is being content, and that's what I want to be. I want to be content, and then I have to actually work out why I'm not content or what contentedness looks like for me, yeah? Now, now I'm at least starting to take ownership from my life and not just expecting a uh, a, a miracle to happen which is going to make Magic everything pill. okay. So that's why I'm opening this meditation and mindfulness center as well because in, in my office here, this is where we do the cognitive retraining and changing the neurological pathways, but, but down there, it's going to be where we do the meditative exercise and start conditioning the minds to let go of its attachments and, and to shift out of that irrational thinking and move more into logic and just to be able to be present. Mm-hmm. But I think it was a Socrates quote that said, excellent, uh, we are what we repeatedly do. So excellence, therefore, is a habit and not an act. And a lot of people get caught up in, I've got a gym membership and they go to the gym once a week and they're like, that creates a false illusion that I am healthy, mm. you know. But it's only acts of health. It's not a habit of health. You know, if we if we donate when the bushfire appeal, and that's the only time we've donated. Oh, I'm a, I'm a charitable person. I'm a generous person. No, you did one act of generosity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like 
And so we really, why I'm so excited about creating this space is because we're going to be able to help people to create a consistent practice. It's going to be to create a habit, a a habit of that a byproduct of that is going to be more content, just a natural byproduct from doing the exercises that we need to do. We need to exercise our mind. Our mind needs to meet resistance in order to get stronger, Mm. just like our body does. So sitting down without moving a muscle in a Vipassana meditation, you're going to experience sensations that you're very uncomfortable with. But if you can sit there and observe them and realize they're going to pass away after a period of time, your mind is going to come out of that meditation being so much stronger. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. It's it's, it's like I get up and do just a silent meditation every morning and you still fall into the trap of, you know, oh that was a that was a bad meditation that was a good meditation <laughs> because the the resistance is all those thoughts coming up you know but the good meditation is the harder meditation correct. if you want to go into that binary thinking and so many clients would, would come to a class or students would come to a class and say how's your meditation oh it was wonderful it was so easy today and i'm like mm, okay so you've come up with an expectation that if I sit and I can just sit without moving a muscle and I find it very easy, then that's a good meditation. Mm. Where it's probably not the the better meditation would be where you really have to struggle and work harder. That's right, yeah. Because you get all of a sudden you got space for all these thoughts and all these feelings that have come up, and um and then it's being with those that builds resilience with being with those in our day to day life. Because yeah. ideally, these practices that we do, we want them to gradually bleed out into more and more of our life. Otherwise, well, they just become another crux. If you experience that detaching from the desire or an aversion on that deep level when you're in a Vipassana meditation, that has a natural ripple effect through here. It, it changes your mind. It changes um, you know, who you are. So next time you're out in public and someone cuts you off, because of the, the meditation that you've done, you're going to be in a more equanimous state, so you're not going to be disturbed by that outside occurrence. But getting into that space, it takes discipline. Becoming Arnold Schwarzenegger took mm. discipline. Um, and there's this great quote by Abraham Lincoln, the moustacheless one. And he says, Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. Hmm. And so I go back to your discussion about everyone's dopamine is, is the biggest addiction and everyone's getting this quick fix. Everyone's getting this, I want it now. Um, you know, I want to be healthy, but then oh, I'm just going to go get KFC because uh, I'm just hungry now and I want food now and I can't be bothered preparing a nutritious meal. Mm-hmm. So people go more for the quick fix and the impulsive feeling based action instead of the bigger picture what's what's really best for me what does what does the situation demand of me not is it that i just want Mm. yeah yeah i've been doing like the uh reverse arnie i've been doing the (laughs) trying to put (laughs) trying to put myself in more uncomfortable situations to try and find out a bit more about my motivations so just 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 recently um i stopped going to the gym the gym's been been a big part of my life for fuck the last 15 years apart from when i was a drug addict that period not much gym going on still still wearing sleeveless tops i see sun's out guns out that's right yeah um the tuck shop arms now that's right and so i got back last two days we got back into it but it was about six weeks and it's just there's a beautiful teaching that says if you want to know why you do something, don't do it don't and do watch it. what happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah, And now most people don't want to watch what happens because normally what happens isn't very nice. Yeah, but this... You're going to suffering. Well, you do. You're going to suffering. Yeah. I found myself... I, was, I would feel more depressed. You know, I would find myself uh, judging myself a little bit more. Um, I would find out that, yes, 
yes, I do go to the gym because I do feel better, have more energy. Um, it helps with my mental health as well by working out. But then also I go to the gym because there's a part of me that also likes women to look at me and go, oh, yeah, that guy looks all right, you know? And it's like just acknowledging the whole package, like not not lying to yourself, yeah? Like you would see this with smoke. You used to work with smokers, you know? And it's like, I say this with people with cigarettes. Like I don't specifically do, you know, cigarette hypnotherapy, but I'm like, oh, next time you have a smoke, like you got the craving and you grab the packet out, just put it down and just wait 15 minutes, yeah? And just and just be watch and watch what happens in your body and your mind and then then have your cigarette, but just watch what happens, you know? Now, the first step is people first of all don't want to do that because they're like I want it now. I want it's it's my life. I want a cigarette right now and I'm fucking having it, <laughs> right? Which is a child a child talking. And then and then it's like, well, okay, I did it. Maybe someone did it, but I started getting pretty like agitated and a fair bit edgy and everything and I was just really wanting to have it. And I'm like, oh, so you've got anxiety. It's like, no, 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 no. No, no, I don't, I don't have anxiety. I'm just saying, so but you got really, really agitated and really, really edgy, yeah? You, so you've got, a, you got some sort of anxiety going on, right? So, and people don't want to feel that or even acknowledge that they've got that going on and that may be a reason why they're smoking in the first place. And it's all of a sudden just bring conscious awareness to this stuff so now going back into a relationship like me with the gym, which is a healthy one at the end of the day, but just sort of understanding why as well and the real motivations behind it. Because if I did that whole process and found out that I, I was purely doing it just because I want women to look at me and go, oh, he looks okay, even though I'm happily with a partner, um, yeah. that kind of thing, then, then that's something I'd really need to look at and work on. But that was a small part of the package and the main part was, yes, it's good for my mental health and good for my energy. Well, it's, a, it's an experiment. Too. And what you've done there is the third pillar of the five pillars in the MindFit program. It's testing your relationship mm. and doing an experiment with it and going without for a period of time to do exactly that. See what comes to the surface and see how agitated. If you can, if you can go without drinking for two months and you don't get disturbed then you're in a healthy relationship with it but if you go without drinking for two months and it's a struggle because you've got all these cravings and then you're in a codependent relationship you're finding out who's boss exactly so it's this whole concept of am i in an interdependent or am i codependent uh, is it a crutch and do i need it um or is it just something i can enjoy so yeah it's, it's who's boss who's in control here it is, it is, it is. Yeah, it's good It's good to <clears throat> test these different things. Are you flexing your bicep just because you've been back at the gym no, for two No, that wasn't a, you'd know if it was a flex, don't worry about that. Listen, listeners, if you jump on Ryan's YouTube channel and just watch this podcast, he's just, <laughs> he's just put one hand behind the head. And I, just, had an it, I had an itchy back of the neck. Itch. I had an itch. There's, there's, there's a woman walking past him and there's this subconscious part of him. Like, oh, flex, flex, flex. You know what it's like. You suck, you suck the belly in when, 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 when a girl walks past. It's just, it's just human stuff, you know. I'm jumping. I'm, I've been revisiting a lot of uh, Jung at the minute and just yeah. um, all about, you know, owning all these parts and, and all these shadows and everything and, you know, and then also if you you translate that along to like Alan Watts and that kind of thing. It's just having fun with these things, like having fun with our humanness and our human nature and that kind of thing because, you know, these are, you know, a lot, we've, we've had a lot of clients who've had troubles with this, like they've been in relationships, yet they beat themselves up for looking at other women or thinking about other women and that kind of thing. And it's like, dude, you, you don't understand the biological drive that you're trying to fight against with your conscious mind. Yeah. It's like we get to, the, and this is accountability too, because like we get to a fork in the road and like we walk past a, you know, fucking really sexually attractive woman and then it's like, oh shit, I'm in a relationship. I shouldn't be looking at her and shouldn't be thinking about her with her clothes off. Now I'm shaming, guilting and shaming myself and I'm starting a downward spiral, yeah? Otherwise, it's like, oh, I'm going to enjoy that attractive woman. She was hot as fuck and then I just keep going on, right? It's like, hey, we're, we're, yeah, so I think... It's whether you get stuck or whether you can keep moving. Yeah, we get, we, well, get, we get stuck beating ourselves up for automatic thoughts. This is one of the yeah. big things I try and teach people. It's like 98% of whatever is happening up here is just self-generated by this mind, 
But we spoke about that so early. I remember with the trolls thing, I think, and the tail Harris, and where does it become being objectifying women compared to just admiring women? And yeah, we did a whole podcast around that. Mm. But um, it was amazing what happened with me when I, I um, got with my current partner. And I observed this as I couldn't look at another woman. There was just no other woman existed. There was like there was no other women on the planet because I was just the love chemicals were just pouring through me, and it was just, it was such a weird thing. It was so weird. It's, infa- it's infatuation, Nick. It, it was. It happens it was in every like, relationship. First three months. <laughs> yeah. And and finally it wore off, and I still, you know, I, was st- I still have no interest in any other woman, but I can actually see other women again now. <laughs> but that's that's where people that's where so many guys get stuck, and women need to understand this as well. Like it's 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 just this black and white thinking and these stupid assumptions that we make. It's like it, if I see a really attractive woman and go fuck, she's really attractive, and then keep walking, it doesn't automatically mean that I want to sleep with her. I look at men too. I look at men and women. I'm hmm. just like oh, because I see everything. I'm like oh right. He he looks healthy, or she looks healthy, or whatever. But my last partner, she had been married to a Muslim man, and so she's gone from a Muslim man, and and you're talking about ninety eight percent of us, you know, the human nature, blah blah. blah. Muslims don't look at other women, or aren't allowed to look Mm -hmm. at other women, or I I don't know how well they actually achieve that. Um, But she went from being with someone who doesn't look at other women and it's against his faith and religion to look at other women to being with an Australian guy who was just like da, 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 da. oh yeah wow oh, she, she looks interesting and I, I said that to her I was like oh did you did you notice the unusually large breasts on that woman and it wasn't that I found them sexual mm. it was just a fucking Interesting. It could have been a dude. Did you see the dude with the third leg? It was just such a neutral thing for me. Yeah. But it hurt her so deeply because of her belief that right. I shouldn't be looking at other women, plus you know, some other things that were going on. So it was it was a really interesting discussion to have. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. But whatever, whatever of our humanness we try and suppress is going to come out in other ways. It's like if 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 and you see this like in the the church and that kind of thing and 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 celibacy and all that kind of stuff like it's just if you keep these natural urges are suppressed for long enough and once again if i come back to jung so that's what i'm reading at the minute you keep pushing this shadow away it ha- it has to come out in some other ways it has to come out that it needs some sort of expression you know so that that's when these real weird behaviors start coming out it's like but it, we do need to modify our behaviours when they are harmful to ourselves or others. We need mm-hmm. to override a, a lot of our old, outdated human nature. Yes. Yeah, of course. Of course. But like, to to think that you would walk through a shopping centre of a thousand people and have your head down just to make sure you're not looking at any other women is completely fucking stupid. Like but on the flip side of that, walking through a supermarket with a thousand women and going, "Oh, you're hot! Oh, you're great!" Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it's finding it's finding that that balance. It is. It is. It is. It's a balance between over over expression and and suppression. Mm. At the end of the day, but like, because obviously there's 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 social um, constructs that we have to live in and morality that we have to live in. But I, I am, you know, like where, where we do such weird shit as human beings. Like right now, I can go on my Instagram and see pretty much just naked women, right? Whereas, you know, it, it wasn't <laughs> because it, of what you're following, or would you have to search for it? No, I'm just isn't it's an example, <laughs> a hypothetical example. <laughs> Pull your phone out, ass. Show me. <laughs> it's a hypothetical example. It's a, it's it's like the the feed. Maybe we might want to let her frame things. The before you the, say the Instagram mix is like a mix of like you know spiritual uh, teachings, um, you know psychology and tits and ass. So it's a, it's, a, it's a combination. Anyway, anyway. 
And I'm not ashamed about that. I follow maybe two or three accounts of chicks who just show bikinis all the time, and I'm, that's fine. Yeah. I have no desire to have sex with them. Okay, right? but do you, do, you, do you hide that from Mel? No, not you, at all. If she got on your Instagram feed, would it... Would it? She would you has experience a heightened state. She no. She has complete. I, I don't have a lock on my phone. Yeah. yeah? Oh, there's there's no nothing whatsoever. That's the one of. I, so what happened for me? And I'm going to get to the weird shit humans do in a second. Like, for me, the whole phone thing. Like, I'm someone who is probably too extreme. Like, I used to just lock back home when we had a car. I'd go to the shops and just leave my car unlocked with the keys in the ignition and go into the shops. Well, and like sometimes with my wallet just on the seat, right? Because Mel's like, um, this comes back to the whole, you know, living in fear or the, or and what we attract, you know. And Mel's like, fucking put your wallet away, lock the car. I'm like, all right, and, you know, because this is what my dad used to do. That's why I do it. <laughs> but um, basically, I'm like, oh, no one's gonna steal, and if they do, good luck to them. They can take the forty bucks in my wallet and not get new cards. <laughs> like, you know, I'm I'm not gonna live my life trying to protect everything. Okay, so. In, in terms of mindful stuff, you're not attached to it. No. Yeah, it's just it just is what it is. But so I'm, I'm one of it. my values is I just there's certain energies that I find just yeah like gross, right? So here's yeah. what one of them. This is why I'm getting to this point. Yeah? yeah. When when I speak to people and a woman or a guy has just gone through their partner's phone and you know they found out their passcode and all that kind of stuff like and and even though they found absolutely nothing i'm like that energy of like trying to hide you know what you're looking up on your phone or that the whole it doesn't matter what's on there the energy behind that is just so toxic to me what what about fully grown adults having um an ice cream and then hiding the wrapper in the bin like burying it in the bin it's it's like a five year old it's so hilarious and it's so funny because we we've got this thing it's like um uh people someone will do that like the ice cream and go yeah i got away with it but guess what you didn't get away with shit because you were because you were watching it you were watching yourself do that and you know there's part of you that knows that shitty energy yeah, and and, and and there's a saying how you how you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah, right. And I I I love that quote. How you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah. So there's a there's another quote that if someone's bitching to you about another person, they're going to be bitching to another person about you. Yeah, that's why if yeah. someone's doing that, with, like speaking to me, so I just I'm like Homer the Homer Simpson in the bush, just back slowly through the bush. <laughs> <laughs> because because you know because you, automatically part of you can't trust that person yeah, yeah. plus got the, the plus talking about the energy the energy of gossip is like ugh, yeah. you know it's horrible and like uh what was i get to yeah so the weird things like humans used to do like because we used to think that um a woman's ankles were sacrosanct right and so it's like you a woman would never show their ankles because yeah. um, and that's why they were the really long dresses all the way down to the floor because the ankles were just well men would go into a, a craze. Could, but do you could know they how just worn higher socks instead of full length dresses to show po- the knees possibly, okay. possibly. But, but but no, but the knees might have been even more um, mm. But what would happen? Saucy. This is how crazy it got, and people look this shit up. This is real. Men would get men would get too turned on by the legs of a table. They would put little doily things at the bottom of the legs of tables because it would remind them too much of ankles. <laughs> wow! I'm just I'm just saying I'm just saying this ankle porn industry in the 1800s or something. Don't you see the cankles on her? Like carved in stone or something, a stone tablet of an ankle and oh, someone jacking off to it. <laughs> such irrational creatures but go back to that balance before I love the Einstein quote about balance isn't staying perfectly still balance is like riding a bicycle you go left and right and left and right as long as you keep moving and don't fall over then you're in balance and so if we create an expectation that um, just imagine a I don't know a graph and there's negative 10 to 0 to positive 10 and zero is neutral. 
So we are going to fluctuate between negative five and positive five. Yeah, that's like riding the bike. We're sort of going left and right. If we have an aversion to go into that negative space, if we have an aversion to looking at a woman and thinking she's attractive, when we naturally do it, that's going to trigger this deep disturbance in us which is going to have a negative ripple effect we're going to beat ourselves up we're going to need comforting we're going to need alcohol or food or whatever we're going to self-flagellate again get the whip out it's it's so that it's not the thought that of the woman that creates that ripple effect it's the belief or the expectation that i shouldn't do it Yes. Yeah. That's Is that's the, the swear word again. Shouldn't it's it's yeah. this you know like someone who's got clean from drugs just has a thought about drugs again, and then they get to that fork in the road and say, "I shouldn't be thinking about drugs again. I can't believe you're thinking about them again. You're such a dickhead. I thought you were past this stuff, right?" And all so of a go, sudden, go back to, we're down we're down that spiral again. Yeah. But go back to the passion and meditation. The 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 very purest sense of it is seeing the attachment to an aversion or an attachment to a desire I, I can't or, or I want I, I don't want or I want I don't want or I want we're constantly bouncing between these two concepts and when we're doing that we can't be content we're not present we're not just in the here and now so for a drug addict I can't think about drugs all of a sudden it blocks that off and you're naturally going to drift into it so you're setting yourself up to fail mm-hmm. and you're going to set yourself up to suffer and then you're going to need to make yourself feel better so then you're probably going to go and find something that used to make you feel better which is a drug congratulations yeah. you've just self it's the, it's the guilt and shame cycle it's the guilt and yeah. shame cycle it's very counterintuitive it's like well, what I do if I make myself feel guilty it means I won't do the thing but yeah. like when I'm stewing thank you thank you church thank you yeah th- <laughs> thanks church and then when I'm stewing in guilt I'm like oh I hate this I want to escape how do I normally escape oh I escape with drugs oh bang yeah. bang 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 it keeps yeah. going around I'm, then I'm such an idiot for being back on drugs I can't, and all of a sudden Ryan's program's not working well it's not Ryan's program that's not working it's you're not making his program work because you're and it's just and it's this and this is all uh, accountability again because when we're in these states of like I shouldn't be having these thoughts or I haven't trained or uh, looked after my own happiness taking care of my own garden everything's about me so like uh, all I think about is me and there's no capacity for me to start to think about greater things and using the because you're in survival mode you're in survival mode you're you're in struggle town you're your hands are bound you're in no position to look after anyone else so you know, you you know when you're in a good space when you can be happy for other people that are achieving things or doing things that you're not. Mm. You know, you're in a good space. You can't be happy for other people unless you're happy within yourself. You can't give away something that you don't have. And if That's you don't true. have happiness, you can't be happy for That's others. True. And then also, if we bring Einstein back into it, then we can start to use our mind for greater things because all of a sudden I don't have to just think about myself and my own survival. It's like we, we all have a human mind, right? So we all have this capacity, uh, unless we have brain damage and that kind of thing, but the vast majority yeah. of it, we, we all have a human mind, right? Now, Einstein, what did he used to use his human mind for? Well, he would do thought experiments where he would be riding a bike and imagine he was riding at the speed of light and there was a beam of light next to him and wondered if that light would start to bend. Uh, He imagined going down an elevator in the middle of space faster than the speed of light and wondered whether space would bend and then start doing the mathematical equations to work that out. That's what he was doing with his human mind. What are most people doing? Let me check my boyfriend's phone and look at his DMs and find out who he's been fucking messaging. The same mind! But he would also go and stand in a garden at the university that they made just for him. It was Einstein's garden. And he would look at nature and he would intentionally blow his mind by looking mm. at nature. He would in- intentionally, when he, when he couldn't solve a problem, a maths problem or something, he would go and stand in this garden because he wanted to be overwhelmed because it would shut his mind down and it would reset it and then he could start thinking clearly. But what he realised, without realising it, that his uh, his mind was becoming so distorted and bent out of shape thinking about this problem that he couldn't see straight or think clearly. So going to this garden, he would override it. 
and the same thing when I couldn't open my door of my lounge room because of agoraphobia that was my mind was so distorted and bent out of shape that it then disabled my body Mm. and that was because I wasn't being accountable I had no idea I had mental health I had no idea that there was things I had to do to look after it and things I had to learn and condition it and train it um, and get into you know a state of health so I'm standing there at my door and I, I got so bent out of shape it disabled me and I was in no position to go and be of use to anyone else yep crazy crazy minds crazy yeah it's so it's so powerful and so neurotic and so amazing and so the imagination has and it's you know go back to what was his name osho i think said there's no past and there's no future so what we're suffering is our memory and our imagination Mm. and if we leave the imagination to its own devices it's going to create by human nature, all the worst case scenarios, my boyfriend's cheating on me, I've got to check his phone. It's going to create all these insecurities and anxieties. Mm. So we have to be accountable for our own minds. We have to try, you, if we're going to use our imaginations, use them like Einstein for good yeah. instead of for evil and for causing our own suffering. Yeah, and, and, if you, and if you can't do that and you're just so stuck in yourself and can't get past these patterns, that's when you reach out and you start going to those the mental gym nick that you're creating yes. and it's starting to work yes, with yes, someone yes. so you can start to get the tools people who've been through this stuff and start to get this thing up here working in a much better much yeah. better fashion I mean, I've, I've been so emotionally overweight my mind I was, I was I was obese in terms of my mental health and so I had to do 12 months of exercise and get myself into shape so yeah it's it's when i'm working with people it's from that compassionate sense i've been there i know what your mind's capable of i know what your mind's doing i can see the cause and the effect same with you working with people with addiction it's Mm. it's yeah we we can't do it by ourselves no we do we don't all right i think we'll finish up there so be accountable for if, if you say that you want to be happy be accountable for what happiness is and then what that means to you and then why you're not happy <laughs> and then understand that it's your job it's it's, it's yeah, your don't be, job don't be disappointed if you keep taking the easy path and keep you know having a drink off a temporary impulse instead of reaching your long-term gain through um, taking the hard path and understanding that in that moment you may want to drink or you may want something to eat or you may want to gamble but it's not conducive to you reaching your long-term goal and it will pass so don't don't be so reactive don't don't be so emotionally driven yeah i love that i love that i'm just going to finish up with this alan watts quote that i read yesterday i really like it the meaning of life is to just be alive it's so plain and so obvious and so simple and yet everybody rushes around in a great panic as if it were necessary to achieve something beyond themselves. That's my message for people. You're alive. You're enough. You're not deficient. <laughs> no. I did that on my last Instagram post. Today did I you? am enough and today I have enough. On the same page again, Nick. Oh, look at us. Look at us go. Look at us. Let's go. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We appreciate Thanks you so much. Thanks for those that have been um, giving us ratings. We've got some star ratings and some... We've got a bit of a bump. Um, we've got a bump up. Ooh. We've got some five stars going on, which is great. But we're not deficient without it, so we're not codependent on getting those bumps. But give us some, because we want, like, more uh, exposure and better guests on, and that's how you do it, so. And we want to help more people. I'm also living in reality. Yeah, we want to help more people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, All right, right Nico, pleasure good. as always, my friend. Yep. Peace, everyone. Peace. Thank you for tuning into the Woke Blokes podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also, leave us a five-star rating. We thank you so much, and we'll see you all next time. Yeah.